Hey, strangers. Welcome to another quiet episode of The Strain Sessions. I'm Krista, this is, is Kurt, and we are the only people here. Yes, and we're so happy it's to be amazing. the only ones in the school. Yes. I was actually, as soon as you started saying, hey, strangers, I was going to say it too, just to throw you all <laughs> off track, but I'm like, no. Thanks. I feel like we're thoughtful. unusually goofy today. We are. silly. I don't know what it is. We tried taking a video that we're going to, you guys will see on Facebook by now, Krista and I are talking into her phone and then realize that it was just a picture. Yep. It wasn't actually a video we were taking. So we're sitting there talking out in the hallway like a couple of goofballs. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So the second, the actual video is kind of funny, but yeah, it'll work. Yep, yep. So what's going on? Um, <laughs> we have some housekeeping. We do it. No, it's shout outs. Oh, we shout always outs. start with shout outs. Shout outs. Sorry. We're, we're, See, I have no idea fifth, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, because what, we were all like a hot mess trying to get this going. <laughs> and I, I did. I accidentally posted the picture to my Facebook wall. And it's like. We'll, next season we're gonna get our stuff together. Yeah, we're gonna we'll, be. We'll finally. We're gonna get this all ironed out. We'll nail it in season five. The, for these sure. were these were what do they call them in football? Like growing seasons. You Is know, that what they when call they have it? a bunch of new players on a team. Mm. We're rookies for sure. Well, we are rookies for sure. We'll always be rookies. But we want to give shoutouts to our newest strangers, and those are Chelsea Stanhope. Billy Pilgrim, which I believe is a name from a Kurt Vonnegut novel. I think that might be a pseudonym. Okay. David Garcia. Justin Allen, Joni Bastek or Bostek, and I want to give a shout out to any of my students from Washington Middle School that are listening because I let it slip to my sixth graders this week that we do a <laughs> podcast. So they all had their Chromebooks out and they were all like looking through the episodes and nice. they were playing it and listening to it. So just want to give a shout out to you guys. And I love my students. I really do. Good. I, if, if anything has amazed me with this new job, it is like how cool the kids are. That's awesome. Yeah. I have yet to have a really bad experience, so I'm sure that could all change in the near future, but for now, they're all awesome. Good. I'm sure they love you, too. So thank you guys so much for listening and joining The Strangers, and we're going to move into some housekeeping, and mm-hmm. Krista's, we've been teasing some big news <laughs> that I think- really not that no, big. No, <laughs> that I think everybody thinks is bigger than it's going to be. Everybody's freaking out. We're, we're quitting the podcast, yeah. or we're splitting up, but no, Krista, you want to tell them what our- Exciting news is our semi big, semi exciting news. Mostly news that only affects us. Well, I guess it'll fa- it affects the listeners like in said, a roundabout I, I way. I said on there that we could actually do it, and they might not even notice, but they're going to notice. They would notice. Yeah. I suppose we should tell them what. It is. Yeah, we should. <laughs> well, you guys have heard us talking over the past several months just about how crazy the school is. Like, we'll get here, and there'll be a whole bunch of like cadets, cadets here for this military thing that they're doing, yeah. and it's year-round. We yep. thought it was only in the summer. Nope, it's year-round. And add on top of that the potlucks that happen here and the sporting practices that happen here. We just don't feel like this is really our space anymore. And we did show up one day. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. And, and we couldn't get in. We couldn't get in, so yeah. we couldn't record that week. So... Long story short, we're actually moving the strange sessions to my basement. To Krista's basement. <laughs> we are going to be recording at Krista's basement. Shade carpeting and lava lamps as far as the eye nice. can see. Nice. Actually, oh. none of that exists awesome. down there, oh. but... Darn it, I kind of wish it did. Yeah. Well, hey, man, we can decorate it however we want. But... I, I feel like you were hesitant to suggest it because you know that I like the school. Yeah. I have no attachment to this place. And I, I do like it. But I like that we have creepy experiences I, I liked here, it when but it used to be just us in here, yeah. but I think that's because we were recording at night. Yeah, we did. And not come so much work. on weekends, but now it's got to be weekends. And now it just doesn't feel like just our place anymore. Where before right. it did. We're, we're sharing the so space So I'm kind of sad because I am going to miss the school, yeah. but it's just appropriate to start our fifth. We're going to, we're going to 
our plan is to start the next season in the new studio. Yeah. So we're going to start our fifth season in Krista's basement. Yeah, and Jim is actually going to build a wall in our basement. Jim is so, so awesome. We... <laughs> it was so yeah. nice having him on the and last episode. And he offered episode. to do that. When I said, we should just do it in our basement, he's like, I'll build a wall for you guys and you can have your own space. He'll even soundproof it, he said. So, oh, we yeah, love you, Jim. It's pretty amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, so we it's like a semi-finished basement. Kurt's yeah. going to come over after the episode today, actually, and see my house for the first time. Because I've never been there. I've lived there for like two years. And I mean, I've only seen, seen it from the windows around the yard at night, <laughs> so I don't know what like the basement looks like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so anyway that's we figured too that our selfies the background is gonna lo- yeah. look a little different at yeah. some point you might notice so yeah. it was worth it's, telling it's everyone. not gonna be like in a hallway <laughs> yeah school anymore it's gonna be in the basement so yeah that's kind of our cool news like yeah. i said i'm a little sad because i am gonna miss a school but i'm we're not gonna miss to, that drive and right and we're excited to have a place where we can actually display all the amazing things yeah that without people worrying are about it getting us. stolen by somebody right. well <laughs> so. and these are like concrete walls where it's really difficult to hang stuff yeah, so yeah. I mean, we can put up our missing 411 maps we can yeah. do all that stuff so it's gonna be super awesome yeah, so i'm excited fun. i am excited so that's the big news i did sort of allude to the fact that there was a couple of announcements and the other one i'm it's not really worth talking about because if you're listening and you're not on social media it's not going to matter to you so anyway the people on social media know what i'm talking about and that's fine um, but the other piece I wanted to mention is that I did order boxes and bubble wrap for the mugs. We've created some online accounts and also signed up for this pirate ship website where you can ship for cheaper than going yep. through the USPS. So we are getting really close to finally fulfilling the mug orders. So thank you for your patience. Awesome. <laughs> were, you, were you referring to your getting off of social media? Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> just didn't know if you were referring to that or not. It's not really news. No, but it's... Especially after I research this episode. Yeah, after this episode. This, after this episode, I kind of want to get follow, on social probably media. Probably follow suit. Uh, and we are also changing the day we release our podcast. Oh, if that you're is in the Strangers, too, yeah. you know that because now we're doing all virtual uh, school. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be stuck at my table in Google Meets from 7 30 in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So the last thing I'm going to kind of want to do is dink around on my computer anymore after that. And it's just easier because I have off all day Sunday. Yeah. You know, so we're going to be releasing the episode Sunday afternoon. <laughs> we just like to keep everyone on their toes. Yeah, we move it we're around. Always changing stuff. A couple stuff, weeks, we'll be releasing it on Thursday. Hey, man, it's our middle podcast. of the night Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> we can do what we want. <laughs> so it's going to be released now Sunday afternoons. I feel like all the changes only benefit people, so nobody yeah, can really. I totally agree. Complain. I totally agree. I don't I know mean, if people like have a if people get annoyed. Because they want it released a certain day. Mm. I don't know. Nobody's ever said that. No. The feedback I've always gotten is how, why are you making us wait so long? Why, why were we? We had it recorded I and I edit it the same day and then we sit on it for like four days. <laughs> I don't <laughs> before know. Before releasing it. So yeah, we're still learning. <laughs> we're still learning. It's a rebuilding. It's a rebuilding. We uh, reserve the right to get smarter and more efficient. Yeah. we By season 10, we're going to have this down pat. We'll at least understand how to post to Facebook. <laughs> Oh my God, did we have an ordeal this week trying to get that all figured out? Oh man. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's jump right into the. Do we have any other housekeeping? Oh, we were going to do a yes. the tarot poll. Yes, do a quick tarot reading. And we're actually, it's not going to focus on Kurt, it's going to focus on the move to my basement. Yes, we want to see if we are making a wise choice moving to Krista's basement. The cards may be like, uh uh-uh. uh, we're going to do it anyway. Screw the cards. Because if I lose my job, I might end up living there in the basement. So. <laughs> you better bring that blanket you're always talking about <laughs> yeah, here. I'll definitely bring the blanket. There's actually a, can- 
a king size bed in our basement right now. So you literally could like live down there. It's better than my apartment. Yeah, it's there's couches and a TV and our PlayStation, our PS3 is down there. We're um buying the PS5. We should probably get on the uh waiting list yeah. for that. It comes out in November. You need a PS4. Amazing games on there. Witcher 3. But why get a PS4 when the new one's coming out? I don't know. I haven't looked to see what games are on PS4. Oh, such good ones. I know The Last of Us. I'm playing The Last of Us right now, and the sequel's on PS4. But that, that's, okay. that's the one where I didn't want to play it, so I just read on Wikipedia what all happens. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> uh, okay. You ready? I'm ready. You're we got to get a Ouija board for your basement, too. House to the no. Let me see what it is. Oh. It is the father of swords. Do you want to read it? Here, I'll find it for you. So what did we pull? We pulled a sword card last week. I love this picture with the owl. This is cool. is cool. You like owls, right? Yes. You're an owl dude. Father of swords. If I was in a heavy metal band, that would be my name. <laughs> um... Like all the swords family, or swords, as Krista would say. Swords. Like all the swords family, the father has a gift for... Uh, start over. It's just like I'm doing the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> like all the swords family, the father has a gift for perception. He has a distinct ability to remove himself emotionally from a situation so that he can truly see it from all angles. Hmm. He is therefore respected by others who usually describe him as fair or just. He's a responsible man with deep ties to his family. I don't know how that pertains. So I suppose you could look at that as we were making this decision because it's a practical one. Yeah. We're not basing it on But it our sounds emotions. like it's a good decision. Yeah. Cool. This is not an emotional decision. No. It's a practical one. Good. Now I'm not scared about it anymore. You were scared about it? No. Okay. <laughs> I really wasn't scared about it. All right. Sweet. But let's jump into the taste test because okay. this is a 13-pager story. The taste test is 13 pages No, but long. the story is, <laughs> is beefy. It's beefy. Is our taste test beefy? No. Oh. Actually, no. It's not beefy. Okay. This is from listener Melissa, and okay, Krista Melissa. and I want to send her her love because her mother just passed yeah, away. Yeah, so sorry to hear that. Yeah, so uh, hopefully she's doing okay. This is a package that was sent to us a couple months ago. Okay. But we have two gifts, and they're going to be for Krista because oh. they refer to something. Oh. Gift number one. <laughs> He's been hiding him under a blanket behind him. Oh, sweet. Gone squatching. It's a gone squatching refrigerator magnet. magnet. You know what? Yes. Boom. That's going to be in our new studio. Yep. That is so cool. That is awesome. Gone squatching. I love it. People know me. And this, I question the validity of this. Uh oh. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) A vial of Bigfoot hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's gotta I go. I mean, it's super adorable. That's gotta go on a cabinet. Where do you that's think gotta, this it's gotta hair go on came a shelf. From? Like I don't know. what part of his body? Is this like armpit hair? It's probably not it's probably back hair. <laughs> Bigfoot back <laughs> hair. Bigfoot back hair. It's that's, so cute. It's it like is. this tiny little <laughs> like, okay, I like I that it's so, yes, that has to go on a shelf in our new studio. Super cute. I love that we're gonna have like shelves to put to put our, our gifts and stuff up. Oops. Well, thank you, Melissa. These are so adorable. Yeah, they are awesome. And she sent us a box of actually good stuff. You people get me. <laughs> I love that you get me. And our so two cute. taste test items. Okay. I'm both, afraid I'm going to break that. Both taste test items are chocolatey. Oh, see? People they get, get you. me. This one actually sounds really good. So I'm going to try this one first because I'm excited. Okay. Oh, yeah. I got the pictures. 
Godiva. Milk. Ooh, yeah. this does sound good. Milk chocolate with the taste of popcorn. Popcorn milk chocolate. Oh, yes. I got to take a picture. Well, have you, have you had any kind of popcorn that's had chocolate like drizzled yes. on it? Oh, it's so good. But I've never had chocolate that had popcorn in it. No, me neither. Okay. This can't be bad. Are I mean, we going to start with this one? Yes. Like, okay. It can't be bad. Yeah, I know. I've said that before We've and it turns about, out Yeah, bad. exactly. 230 calories for the whole bar, Kurt. Well, that's not bad. That's a lot of calories, actually, but... <clears throat> okay, ready? I'm just going to break a chunk off. Okay. I got the G. I got the G, too. Oh. I think there's only Gs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look any further than the piece I got. Okay, I took a picture. Ready? I'm ready. Hmm. I don't. Okay, I get the popcorn. There's like a crunch to it. I get a little bit of popcorn. I haven't gotten any popcorn yet. A real little. But, I flavor. mean, Godiva chocolate is amazing. To begin I get with. a real tiny little hint of popcorn, but I would just think this was a crunch bar mm-hmm. if I didn't know differently. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. I mean, it's amazing. Mm. I don't. Oh, now I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. It like sneak, it's salt. It, I think there's some saltiness. Yeah, it like sneaks up at the end and mm-hmm. kicks you in the butt. Mm. That's good. I've never met a oh, chocolate Anna, I didn't thank like. Thank you for our new, uh, our second uh, mm. strange sessions bingo board. Oh my god, I was that I literally so laughed out loud when mm-hmm. I read. Mm. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. It's so funny. This is really good. Mm-hmm. The popcorn flavor is really, really subtle. It's more of a saltiness, maybe like a hint of butter. But it is good. Yeah, I mean... Godiva chocolate is amazing. Out of 10? I'm going to give it an 8 just because I don't think it's as popcorny as I was would expect it to I'm be. I'm going to give it a 9 because that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what it is. Wasn't that one of the things on the board was that Kurt consistently rates everything yes. two points higher yes. than Krista? <laughs> and then I always finish the taste test item. So you're going to eat that? <laughs> nope, you can eat that. This next one... It's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I drop something and then smash myself in the face with my microphone when oh I turn around. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Dust from the floor. Oh, cute. And we have more Bigfoot magnets. I believe it says. Is I she, believe. Who sent me the, the sticker for my car? I can't remember now. Oh, I don't remember either. But my, uh, the stick, the decal on my car says believe, and it's a thing. Of, we got so many it. cool Bigfoot things. Thank you so much, Melissa. Seriously. We got one more taste test item. You people are my spirit animal. <laughs> I'm just saying. This one is, this one intrigues me. This one intrigues me because. Is it also chocolate? Yeah, yes. you said they were both chocolate. Okay, hold on. Kurt's trying to hand me something. Gusto. Ooh, I'm going to love this. Okay, number one. I don't know I what love rosemary. White chocolate. I don't know what rosemary tastes like. Oh, I do. I I grow it. I eat it all the time. It's amazing. Um, I love white chocolate, even though it's technically not, not chocolate. chocolate. It's no, more but like I love a, white chocolate. It's a chocolate flavored substance, but I love it. Oh, rosemary and sea salt. Chocolate. I'm white chocolate. Yes, sorry. The package is really pretty, actually. It pair, I love it rosemary. Pairs, it says on the back it pairs with roasted turkey. Oh. That makes sense. I like to use rosemary in like potatoes and chicken. 
Okay, ready? I'm ready. Mix in to mashed potatoes. <laughs> says, that would be I don't interesting. Know if I put chocolate, chocolate and mashed, mashed potatoes, potatoes, but might be a taste test thing. Ooh. Really Crystal looks like she started drooling a little it's bit so there. Pretty, like even the chocolate is pretty. I have to. T- it has like a design on it. It I is pretty. Take a picture of that. When I was a kid, I used to buy the blocks Gusto. of white chocolate and eat mm. them. So I think I just got like really burnt out on white chocolate. I always make white chocolate treats around Christmas. You would know. You always get a <clears throat> a little box, a Christmas care package. Okay, ready? I'm just gonna break a hunk off. I am. I am. I am curious about this one. Oh, I smell the rosemary. Oh. Mm. I don't know I what I think rosemary. of that smell. I'm excited. Ready? Right, ready. Mm. This is interesting. Kurt doesn't like it. I don't like it. Mm. Uh. It's salty. It's very salty, but it's sweet. Uh, I don't <laughs> like it. It. it uh. <laughs> Your face is so great right it's now. It's so weird. It's mm. it's like a, it's like I taste the chocolate, but at the same mm. time I'm like tasting rosemary. It's turkey. very it's very it t- heavy it on like the rosemary. Th- it like reminds me of a Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. I it, love it's, it. It's it it's disconcerting in my mouth. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Your mouth wants turkey, but it's getting chocolate instead. Mm-mm. Mm. Mm-mm. I will take this one home. Mm-mm. You can take the other one home. No, you can take them both. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. It's like it doesn't mesh. It's an unexpected it, pairing. It's like for messing sure. me up because it it's like two different taste experiences. Savory and like sweet. yeah, like one side is Thanksgiving meal and the other side mm-hmm. is chocolate, and it just no, no. <laughs> Kurt's noping this taste test. Mm. Okay, what do you give I'm going to give it... Negatives are not allowed. No, it's not a negative, Unless but I'm going to give it a five. A five? Okay. I, what I really like about it is that it is really salty. Yes, I do love And I'm a sucker salty. for anything salty. Yes, anything sweet And that is, that is like one of the saltiest... It's very salty. ...chocolates that I've ever tasted. Yes. But if it was just the salt and didn't have that rosemary in there, I would love it. But the rosemary throws me off. I'm going to give it a seven because... Just in general, the overall flavor profile doesn't exactly work for me, but it tastes like it says it's going to taste, so I give it a couple points for that. I just know. No, no, no. I might actually try mixing this into something like it recommends. Mashed potatoes would be interesting. Because I think the white chocolate would be really subtle. Yeah, but I think the rosemary would add to the mashed potatoes. and the saltiness. Interesting. Wow, thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, maybe that wasn't so bad. No, 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 I don't. No, I just have the aftertaste. This is that if I put it over by him, it'll be gone by the end of the episode. <laughs> exactly. This is growing on me. So we are going to jump into the main story now, and I want to give a couple disclaimers, like I always do. Uh, this was, I think I bit off more than I could chew with this episode, because this is a very frightening rabbit hole to go down. So I touched on what I could. I am going to cite a lot of sources in this episode because I did use a lot of internet sources, uh, you know, newspapers, magazines, whatever. And I also want to say that I might find myself saying uh, conspiracy nuts or privacy freaks during the course of the episode. And neither of those are meant as a bad, as an insult, you know, because personally, I am not a privacy freak. I don't care. This stuff has never really been in my wheelhouse like i don't yeah. care yeah yeah yeah. 
big brother but I real yeah but I realize that a lot of people do so when I say <laughs> I'm kind of with you in that I don't care either Ooh, that rosemary um <laughs> So when I say conspiracy freak or conspiracy nut or privacy freak, it is not intended to sound insulting because I'm kind of a conspiracy nut. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. But our topic today is about basically electronic surveillance and how much it goes on. And this, I'm just going to say that this shocked me. Like I did not realize it was like it is. Hmm. So for this, we're going to start with a little history. (laughs) Krista got off of social media at just the right time. And it's not because of this, though. It's different reasons. So we're going to start with a little history. Anytime you have a big enough group, there's going to be some sort of external or internal surveillance going on just to keep tabs on what is going on within the group. So while this was undoubtedly going back as far back as there have been groups of people getting together, spit pieces of chocolate on myself. (laughs) It's going to haunt you through the whole episode. We are going to start with the year 1896. It's widely believed that institutional domestic surveillance began in 1896 with the founding of the National Bureau of Criminal Identification, which by the year 1908 had become the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Hmm. And another disclaimer, if there is any episode of ours that is going to get us tagged on some government watch list, (laughs) it's going to be this one. This organization operated under the authority of the Department of Justice. By 1935, it had become an independent agency under the leadership of J. Edgar Hoover. Hoover is credited with greatly modernizing criminal science and police technology by creating things like a national fingerprint database or by advancing... Advancing? Huh. It's going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what word you're trying to say because I'm... Advancing? Or by advancing forensic sciences. So everything was kind of hunky-dory until it later came out that during his tenure, Hoover had been abusing his power and going well beyond the limits of what the FBI was supposed to be doing. Hey, did you get fingerprinted as a kid? I don't know. I honestly don't remember. I remember my parents taking us to, if it was the courthouse or the police station, but we got fingerprinted and it was a whole part of the whole, if your kids ever go missing, their fingerprints are on file. I don't I'm sure I did at some point. I just do not remember it. Hoover was greatly concerned about subversion, especially with the idea of communists infiltrating the government in Hollywood where they would use their positions to advance communism into the United States. By 1939, five years after becoming an independent agency, Hoover and his staff, through the use of wiretaps, mail tampering, garbage filtering, and undercover infiltrators, had prepared secret FBI index lists on more than 10 million people. The FBI indexes, or index list, was a system used to track American citizens and other people that the Federal Bureau of Investigation deemed suspicious well before the use of computerized databases. The index list was originally literally made on paper index cards compiled by Hoover and others at the FBI. The index list was used to track U.S. citizens and others believed by the FBI to be dangerous to national security, and it was subdivided into various divisions, which generally were rated based on different classes of danger the subject was thought to represent. There is no indication that the FBI stopped adding names onto its index list before September 11, 2001, so this list was no doubt constantly added to over the years since the FBI started. During the 40s and 50s, the era of McCarthyism, surveillance was in full force as the Red Scare of communism was causing all sorts of panic. Hoover believed in what McCarthy was doing, so he 100% supported him using all the methods he had available. One of the things that came out of this was the Hollywood blacklist, where lives of actors, actresses, producers, etc. were destroyed by claims that they were communist. 
I remember Lucille Ball was supposedly one mm. that they tried going after as being communist. Over the years since then, celebrities, scientists, and other well-known figures were surveilled and had FBI reports made on them, including First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, Marilyn Monroe, all of the Beatles, but particularly John Lennon, Martin Luther King Jr., and Albert Einstein, who was subjected to telephone wiretapping and having his mail gone through by the FBI as part of a secret government campaign. Albert Einstein lived in the U.S.? Yeah. Hmm. I think. (laughs) That's what this said. (laughs) Albert Einstein, who was subjected to telephone wiretapping and having his mail gone through by the FBI as part of a secret government campaign that aimed to link him with a Soviet espionage ring in order to first discredit him and then deport him from the United States. So basically, if you showed any kind of political leanings or ideas that didn't coincide with those of Hoover and the FBI, you were probably being watched without your knowledge. While all of that was going on, on November 4th, 1952, an organization known as the National Security Agency, or the NSA, and just saying NSA might get us very well <laughs> right. put on some kind of list, or the NSA, was officially established in complete secrecy by President Truman. It had previously been an organization dedicated to deciphering coded communications during World War II, But with the restructuring of it into the NSA, the organization became responsible for all sorts of surveillance. The best definition of what the group does is that it's responsible for global monitoring, collection, and processing of information and data for foreign and domestic intelligence and counterintelligence purposes, specializing in a discipline known as signals intelligence, or I've seen this pronounced different ways. It's S-I-G-I-N-T. I've seen it pronounced SIGINT, and I've seen it pronounced SIGINT. So I'm going to go with SIGINT. I'll probably end up switching it back and forth. Specializing in a discipline known as signals intelligence, or SIGINT. SIGINT is intelligence derived from electronic signals and systems such as communication systems, and the NSA relies on a variety of measures to accomplish its mission, the majority of which are secret. The NSA currently conducts worldwide mass data collection. We're going to come back to this one. I've always been fascinated with the NSA ever since like, I read about it when I was a kid. If you ask anyone about government intelligence agencies, they'll immediately name the FBI and CIA, but, few, but far fewer people know about the NSA. The NSA was actually a pretty well-kept secret for years, with people joking that NSA stood for, quote, no such agency. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of facts about it are still kind of murky, it's believed to be the largest of the intelligence organizations in the U.S. and possibly the largest in the world, believed to be possibly three times the size of the CIA, and it's also believed to employ more mathematicians than any other organization in the United States, Hmm. which is interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. But yeah, NSA is a big, that's a big thing. That's a big deal. On August 17, 1975, Senator Frank Church went on NBC's show Meet the Press and talked about the NSA without actually mentioning its name. He said, quote, In the need to develop a capacity to know what potential enemies are doing, the United States government has perfected a technological capability that enables us to monitor the messages that go through the air. Now, that is necessary and important to the United States as we look abroad at enemies or potential enemies. We must know at the same time that capability at any time could be turned around on the American people and no American would have any privacy left, such as the capability to monitor everything. Telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide. Hmm. You know, it's funny, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I realize that I have 
a post-it covering my camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, 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 that actually comes. That actually, actually comes up. Me. Yep, that actually comes up in a thing later. Uh, Our more modern laptops actually have a little thing you can switch over yes. that covers the camera. Yep. My work laptop has yep. that, but hey, man, cut out a post-it note and just stick it on there. Exactly. Same thing. I don't. I let's let mine whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they can see whatever yeah. they want. Okay, going back to the quote from Senator Frank Church, he says, if this government ever became a tyrant, if a dictator ever took charge in this country, <laughs> like that would happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it to impose total tyranny, and there would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately it was done, is within the reach of the government to know. Such is the capability of this technology. So yeah, they knew back then that that had, it could be potentially dangerous, Mm -hmm. you know. So I'm definitely skipping over some stuff here. This is a huge, fascinating, scary rabbit hole to go down if you ever want to. But now I'm jumping ahead to 1988. Uh, 88 was a good year. I graduated from high school, all that stuff. Music was awesome, hair metal. Uh, In 1988, an article appeared in the New Statesman. It was written by British journalist Duncan Campbell, and it was titled, Somebody's Listening. This article was a huge thing, and it was a shocking eye-opener to everyone. One of the bombshells the article dropped was about a secret program codenamed Echelon. Echelon is huge, so we'll go back to the beginning of it. It's also what 30 Seconds to Mars calls their fans. Echelon? The Echelon. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rhonda would know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it'd be easy. The first publicly known mention of what became known as Echelon was in 1972 when former NSA analyst Perry Felwock used a pseudonym to tell Ramparts Magazine about a global network of listening posts and his experiences working there. Then, in 1982, James Bamford, an investigative journalist, wrote The Puzzle Palace, an in-depth look at the inner workings of the still-super-secret NSA and the massive eavesdropping operation it ran under the codename Shamrock, which became changed to the name Echelon in 1975. Then in 1988, Margaret Newsom, a Lockheed employee under contract with the NSA, disclosed the Echelon surveillance system to members of Congress. Newsom, or Newsom, I think it's Newsom, told a member of Congress that the telephone calls of Strom Thurmond, a Republican U.S. senator, were being collected by the NSA using Echelon. Then Duncan Campbell's article came out and the lid was completely blown off of it. Echelon was a secret surveillance program that could monitor any and all transmissions, including phone calls. It was operated by the United States with the aid of Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom, collectively known as the Five Eyes. As Britain's newspaper The Guardian once stated, quote, Echelon is a global network of electronic spy stations that can eavesdrop on telephones, faxes, and computers. It can even track bank accounts. This information is stored in Echelon computers, which can keep millions of records on individuals. Officially, however, Echelon doesn't exist. Former NSA employee Margaret Newsom claimed that she worked on the configuration and installation of software that makes up the Echelon system while employed at Lockheed Martin from 1974 to 1984 in California. At that time, according to her, the codename Echelon was the NSA's term for the computer network itself. Lockheed internally called it P415. The software programs were called Silkworth and Sire, and a satellite codenamed Vortex intercepted communications. It sounds like Echelon was started with the idea that it would monitor things going on outside the country, but like anyone could have guessed, it started to be used on people inside the country. Well, sure. 
people had always joked about the government monitoring their phone calls and stuff, but Echelon was the first time that it was confirmed that this really was happening. There were even unsubstantiated reports that when people were making an overseas call and they mentioned the words FBI, CS... I have CSI. <laughs> oh, wow. There are, even unsubsta- there are even unsubstantiated reports that when people were making an overseas call and they mentioned the words FBI, CIA, or especially NSA, there would be a faint click as Echelon started recording the call. Hmm. According to Wikipedia, by the end of the 20th century... The system referred to as Echelon had evolved beyond its military and diplomatic origins into a global system for the interception of private and commercial communications, mass surveillance, and industrial espionage. I mean, Echelon is real. This isn't like Mm -hmm. a conspiracy thing. This was 100% going on. Uh, Echelon is a deep, fascinating rabbit hole to go down if you so desire, but... If you're the paranoid type. Yeah. Well, mm, I'm not the paranoid type. I just, just I don't want to become paranoid. Yeah. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Then we get to September 11th, 2001. After the horrible events of that day, the Patriot Act was put into place. The act expanded the abilities of law enforcement to enact surveillance, including tapping international and domestic phones. And in 2007, the Protect America Act removed the warrant requirement for government surveillance of foreign targets. All of this eased the potential for the government to monitor what we do in our day-to-day lives. Now we fast forward a little bit to 2013 when a CIA employee and subcontractor named Edward Snowden dropped a bombshell. Hmm. In 2013, Snowden was hired by an NSA contractor, Booz Allen Hamilton. I think that's the contractor's name, B-O-O-Z. After previous employment with Dell and the CIA, he quickly became very bothered by the things that he discovered while at his job, and on May 20th, 2013, Snowden flew to Hong Kong after leaving his job at an NSA facility in Hawaii, and in early June, he revealed thousands of classified NSA documents to four journalists who quickly wrote articles and publications like the New York Times and the Washington Post. I remember when this happened, mm-hmm, too. I remember. Totally. I didn't know a lot about Edward Snowden or what he released, Mm-mm. so this was kind of my first time reading all this stuff. I knew that he was over there because he was trying to avoid being... Yes, being prosecuted. Right. According to Wikipedia, the exact size and scope of Snowden's disclosure is unknown. The unclassified portion of a September 15, 2016 United States House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence report estimated the number of downloaded documents to be 1.5 million. That's a lot of documents. Dang. Glenn, to review all that. <laughs> yeah, Glenn Greenwald stated that Snowden's disclosures contain sensitive NSA blueprints detailing how the NSA operates and which would allow someone who read them to evade NSA surveillance. Just a ton of disclosures were made about the NSA and the entire Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, which again is made up of Australia, Canada, New Zealand, United Kingdom, and the United States. On June 21st, 2013, the United States Department of Justice charged Snowden with two counts of violating the Espionage Act of 1917 and theft of government property. He then fled to Russia, where he was granted the right of asylum. Snowden has defended his leaks as an effort to, quote, inform the public as to that which is being done in their name and that which is done against them. He is a very polarizing figure. I mean, Mm -hmm. some people, to some people, he's a hero. To some people, he's a traitor. Right. You know, I I I lean towards. It, it's a this whole topic is a really really sticky topic. <clears throat> it like, is. I get. We 
we have terrorists living yes. on our soil yes. who are cur- we know there are people planning the next attack we know yeah. this they get yeah. foiled all the time yeah. Yeah. And without the surveillance that exists yeah. they would not be captured but but we give up part of our privacy and freedom we give up a lot of our privacy and freedom for yeah. that but i think people didn't realize the amount of freedom and privacy they give up and right. i think that's what was eye-opening it's a conundrum <laughs> personally I, I i lean towards more hero and I, I, I say that right. feeling guilty because, kind of. because it, it does give the enemy an idea of how to escape being caught. Right. You know. But also lets the American people know what's really going on. Yep, exactly. It's like, I don't know, where's the middle ground? I don't know. <laughs> there isn't any. And that's what makes this difficult. Yeah. So we're, So what were some of the disclosures he made? One of the first things people learned about was something called PRISM. PRISM is a program that allows for court-approved direct access to the entire contents of any American's Google and Yahoo accounts. He also revealed a secret court order requiring Verizon to hand the NSA millions of Americans' phone records on a daily basis and something called X-Keyscore, an analytical tool that allowed for collection of, quote, almost anything done on the Internet. Snowden said of X-Keyscore... I, sitting at my desk, could wiretap anyone from you or your accountant to a federal judge or even the president if I just had their personal email address. It was also revealed that the NSA was tracking and mapping the location of cell phones, searching email content, secretly accessing Yahoo and Google data centers to collect information from hundreds of millions of users worldwide by tapping undersea data cables. So that's a lot. Also, according to documents revealed in December 2013, the NSA and the CIA routinely spied on users of the computer game Second Life, Xbox Live, and World of Warcraft and attempted to recruit would-be informants from the sites. NSA agents also spied on their own love interests, a practice that NSA employees termed love int or love intelligence, Mm -hmm. which is just creepy Mm -hmm. that there's something really disturbing about that. And the NSA was shown to be tracking the online sexual activities of people they termed radicalizers in order to discredit them if need be. Oh boy. They were monitoring people's porn hub, what yeah. they were watching and stuff like that. According to Wikipedia, an NSA mission statement titled SIGINT Strategy 2012 through 2016 affirmed that the NSA had plans for continued expansion of surveillance activities. Their stated goal was to, quote, dramatically increase mastery of the global network and to acquire adversaries' data from anyone, anytime, anywhere. In 2014, leaked slides revealed that the NSA's stated objective was to, quote, collect it all, process it all, exploit it all, partner it all, sniff it all, and to know it all. That's just disturbing. Mm-hmm. In March 2014, documents came out that showed that the NSA had plans to infect millions of computers with malware using a program called Turbine. When a person's computer had Turbine on it, the NSA is able to silently pull files from their hard drive, covertly record audio from a computer's microphone and take snapshots with its webcam, launch cyber attacks by corrupting and disrupting file downloads or denying access to websites, and to pull data from removable flash drives connected to any infected computer. Also started in 2013 and fully completed in 2019 is the Utah Data Center, or the UDC, officially known as... Oh boy. Officially known as the Intelligence Community Comprehensive National Cybersecurity Initiative Data Center. According to a March 15, 2012 article in Wired magazine called, quote, 
The NSA is building the country's biggest spy center. Watch what you say. The article says, quote, The NSA has become the largest, most covert, and potentially most intrusive intelligence agency ever. Under construction by contractors with top-secret clearances, the blandly named Utah Data Center is being built for the National Security Agency. A project of immense secrecy, it is the final piece in a complex puzzle assembled over the past decade. Its purpose? To intercept, decipher, analyze, and store vast swaths of the world's communications as they zap down from satellites and zip through the underground and undersea cables of international, foreign, and domestic networks. The heavily fortified $2 billion center should be up and running by September 2013. Flowing through its servers and routers and stored in near-bottomless databases will be all forms of communication, including the complete contents of private emails, cell phone calls, and Google searches, as well as all sorts of personal data trails, parking receipts, travel itineraries, bookstore purchases, and other digital pocket litter. With the post-9-11 changes to laws, for the first time since Watergate and the other scandals of the Nixon administration, the NSA had turned its surveillance apparatus on the U.S. and its citizens. It has established listening posts throughout the nation to collect and sift through billions of email messages and phone calls, whether they originate within the country or overseas. It has created a supercomputer of almost unimaginable speed to look for patterns and to unscramble codes. Finally, the agency has begun building a place to store all of the trillions of words and thoughts and whispers captured in its electronic net. And of course, it's all being done in secret. To those on the inside, the old joke that NSA stands for never say anything applies more than ever. Hmm. So yeah. Basically scattered <laughs> Yeah, basically scattered all throughout the country, there are several plain-looking windowless buildings that serve as listening posts where all methods of communication flow through them and they are analyzed and the data is ultimately sent to the new central location, the Utah Data Center. There are buildings in New York and Chicago and Hawaii and you can find actual photos of these buildings online. I mean, this is a legitimate thing that these listening post buildings are are real and all the communication ultimately flows through them. Okay. According to the Wired article, quote, in secret listening rooms nationwide, NSA software examines every email, phone call, and tweet as they zip by. Once the communications are intercepted and stored, the data mining begins. You can watch everybody all the time with data mining, ex-NSA employee William Biney says. Everything a person does becomes charted on a graph. Financial transactions, travel, anything, he says. Thus, as data like bookstore receipts, bank statements, and computer toll records flow in, the NSA is able to paint a more and more detailed picture of someone's life. The NSA also has the ability to eavesdrop on phone calls directly and in real time, according to Adrian J. Kenny, who worked both before and after 9-11 as a voice interceptor at the NSA facility in Georgia in the wake of the World Trade Center attacks. He says, quote, basically all rules were thrown out the window and they would use any excuse to justify a waiver to spy on Americans. In response to claims that the data center would be used to illegally monitor email of U.S. citizens, in April 2013, an NSA spokesperson said, quote, many unfounded allegations have been made about the planned activities of the Utah data center. One of the biggest misconceptions about the NSA is that we are unlawfully listening in or on, or reading emails of U.S. citizens. This is simply not the case. This statement was made about two months before Snowden's document leak that revealed the existence of the PRISM program, which showed that they were doing exactly, exactly that. Exactly what they said they yes. weren't doing. Yep. So your emails and phone calls are being recorded and analyzed and stored away for God knows what, but your text messages are safe, right? 
No. Of course, of course not. not. <laughs> that's, that's literally what I have. It's of course not. According to a 2014 article in the British newspaper The Guardian, quote, the National Security Agency, or the NSA, has collected almost 200 million SMS text messages a day from across the globe, using them to extract data, including location, contact lists, and credit card details, according to top-secret documents based on material provided by NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. The NSA program, codenamed Dishfire, collects, quote, pretty much everything it can, according to documents. Dishfire. Yeah, they have such weird names yeah. for these things. Yeah, the NSA program, codenamed Dishfire, collects pretty much everything it can, according to documents, rather than merely storing the communications of existing surveillance targets. An agency slideshow presentation from 2011, subtitled, quote, SMX Text Messages, a Goldmine to Exploit, reveals that the program collected an average of 194 million text messages a day in April of that year. In addition to storing the messages themselves, another program, known by the codename Prefer, conducts automated analysis on the untargeted communications. But then we get into the whole thing about this being done by computer pro, you know, by a computer program as opposed to a human a being, human being right. going through your stuff. You know, so we so it's like it what's in what's intrusive and what's not intrusive. It probably started with humans, but then they were probably like, well, a computer yeah, could do this a yeah. lot easier. Uh, the search, At the end of the day, if the computer finds anything, humans are going to review exa- it. Though. That's exactly what happens. The search function for the text databases allows for keywords to be searched for in the messages, but it's also said that a warrant is needed to read specific messages. Hmm. And the reason why everyone's messages are stored was laid out in the GCHQ. I don't know what that is. In the GCHQ report about dish fires saying, quote, this makes it particularly useful for the development of new targets since it is possible to examine the contents of messages sent months or even years before the target was known to be a person of interest. Hmm. So they keep all these messages. I'd like to know how often they get it wrong. They think they have a target and it turns out it was just a weird coincidence. and the person really is up to absolutely nothing nefarious. You know, well, I think no, it happens all the, I think it happens it's in all the, the name time. of, you know, yeah. yep. saving our country from terror. Yeah, exactly. So this applies to SMS text messages. Uh, you and I send SMS. Mm-hmm. Uh, like me and Melissa. What does SMS stand for? Um, I will tell you in one second. The I have Google it here. I have it here you. in my notes somewhere. Oh, okay. Let me look at my notes. Uh, it stands for <laughs> short message service. Okay. But you and I, when we text each other, that is an SMS message. When Melissa and I text each other or when Miranda and I text each other, because we both have iPhones that goes uh. through iMessage. So Apple's iMessage system has end to end encryption, but people even wonder if how safe that is. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows what the NSA's deal is with Apple. Mm-hmm. They probably have access to all of that too. Plus who knows how long it will be safe for. In 1994, mathematician Peter Shore came up with what's known as Shore's algorithm. It's a, quote, polynomial time quantum computer algorithm for integer factorialization. (laughs) It's said that a quantum computer running this would be able to break any encryption of any kind. And of course, the NSA has been working on getting one up and running. According to a 2014 article in the Washington Post called, quote, NSA seeks to build quantum computer that could crack most types of encryption, the article says, quote, according to documents provided by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden, the effort to build a cryptologically useful quantum computer, 
a machine exponentially faster than classical computers, is part of a $79.7 million research program titled Penetrating Hard Targets. With such technology, all current forms of public key encryption would be broken, including those used on secure websites, as well as the passwords used to protect state secrets. This whole quantum computer thing is a fascinating rabbit hole in itself. Like oh, quantum sure. computers are insane. Insane. According to some stuff I read, the NSA already has a version of it that they do use, but other stuff says that they're many years away from having one with the capacity to do this. But once it's up and running, no encryption will be safe. Bitcoin, text messages, websites, etc. And the NSA also wants a quantum computer to create en- encryption that can't be broken by quantum computers. Oh, good lord! So, yeah, it's one of those things. <laughs> but if they get they get this this specific quantum computer running. They will be able to crack anything, absolutely anything. So it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. So basically, any forms of communication you are using ends up routed through places that analyze it, look for keywords, transcribe it, or just save it and store it based on the whims of whoever wants to investigate it you. It makes you want the grid to go down. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I have Although no... Although our podcast would no longer That's the thing exist, is, I have but... no doubt that somewhere our podcast is downloaded and it's transcribed yeah. and it's mm-hmm. stored somewhere mm-hmm. in case they ever need to go back and look at us. Right. And now that I'm saying NSA so many times, <laughs> I would not be surprised if this got flagged somehow Mm -hmm. you know like i'm waiting for a a van to show up but i got something i do have something interesting i gotta say later that's kind of kind of cool but it's i think it's just a coincidence so now the location tracking you know as long as i remember there was talk of the government wanting to chip people so they could track them anywhere they went and even though we haven't been physically chipped we willingly give the government and corporations the ability to track our every move gps baby our cell phones Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's you know, conspiracy people just laugh at that, that for years people are like, they're not going to chip me. And they just did the next best thing. They gave us this thing that we have with us all the time that, that has GPS. addicted to, basically. Yeah, exactly. Can't leave a room without. Exactly. Well, Chris is in the kitchen now. Yeah. So people say <laughs> that they shut off the GPS feature on their phone. Who knows? You know, I, it, uh, there's something called a tower dump. A tower dump is the sharing of identifying information by a cell tower operator which can be used to identify where a given individual was at a certain time. And this this, this happened with Maura Murray, where her cell phone pinged off a tower, right. and that's become kind of a thing. Oh, the and that's pinging, a, yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what this is. As cell phone users move, their devices will connect to nearby cell towers in order to maintain a strong signal, even while the phone is not actively in use. These towers record identifying information about cell phones connected to them, which can be then used to track individuals. In most of the United States, police can get away with many kinds of cell phone data without obtaining a warrant. Law enforcement records show that police can use initial data from a tower dump to ask for another court order for more information, mm. including addresses, billing records, and logs of calls, text, and location. Mm. And, and again, this is what happened with the Moore Murray, where they where they got that ping off a cell phone, and that's exactly what this is. So they can they know where you are, even if you have your GPS off, based on the cell towers. Right. In 2018, John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, said, quote, When the government tracks the location of a cell phone, it achieves near-perfect surveillance as if it had attached an ankle monitor to the phone's user. <laughs> you might be like, so what? If I vanish or something, it's kind of a good thing, and I'm not doing anything illegal, so why would anyone care about my location data? According to a January 9th, 2019 article on TechCrunch called, quote, Despite promises to stop, U.S. cell carriers are still selling your real-time phone location data. The article says, quote, 
Well, they're selling it. Exactly. Last year, they're making last money year, off of this. Last year, four of the largest U.S. cell carriers were caught selling and sending real-time location data of their customers to shady companies that sold it on to big spenders who would use the data to track anyone, quote, within seconds and for whatever reason they wanted. At first, a little-known company named Location Smart was obtaining and leaking real-time location data from AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint, and selling access through another company called 3C Interactive, selling it from them to Secure Us, a prison technology company, which tracked cell phone users without asking for their permission. Now, new reports show that while Location Smart faced the brunt of the criticism, few focused on the other big player in the location tracking business called Zumigo or Zumigo. Worse, Zumigo stole that data like Location Smart did with Securus to other companies like Microbuilt, a Georgia-based credit reporting company, which in turn sells that data to other firms that want that data, and so on and so on. The phone companies said that they would no longer sell this data, but as of February 2020, it was still happening, and the FCC has been pursuing legal action to find the companies. Hmm. It's not just the phone companies either. According to a February 7, 2020 New York Times opinion piece called, quote, the government uses near-perfect surveillance data on Americans. The article goes on to say, quote, many apps, weather apps, coupon apps, for instance, gather and record location data without users. I keep switching between data and data. Sorry if that's driving people nuts. I didn't even notice, okay. actually. <laughs> many apps, uh, including weather apps or coupon apps, for instance, gather and record locations data without users understanding what the code is up to. That can then be sold to third-party buyers. Since that data is available for sale, the federal government has essentially found a workaround by purchasing location data used by marketing firms rather than going mm. to court to get a warrant on a case-by-case basis. So the marketing firms are using it to somehow make money. Yeah. But yeah. the government is like, well, hey, we is can buying dip it into from that them too. so that they can they go it's around. Perfectly legal. Yeah, so they can go around getting a warrant. And right now, what is kind of opening people's eyes is that cell phones are being used to track what covid oh really yeah yep oh i did well you had i remember yep. getting a notification on my phone yeah according okay. to an april 5th 2020 article in forbes called quote coronavirus phone tracking now impacts us all and this is just the start the article says quote it has become just one more factor in the new normal we are living with today after an escalating backlash in months gone by against phone tracking technologies, a backlash that promoted location privacy responses from Apple and Google were now all being tracked to help stem the spread of the new coronavirus and apparently we're fine with it. The slight twist, of course, is that we're still being tracked anyway. It's just that our governments are now tapping into that data. There will not be blanket cell phone surveillance in the U.S. long term. But there will be a series of questions as to whether a surveillance ecosystem should be built to better deal with this kind of situation next time around. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, well, look, it helped us with coronavirus. Right. So let's make They'll it. Justify so people, it. Yeah, exactly. And there will also be a debate over when this kind of tech can be used. Civil unrest being one example. And there's sure. a lot of civil unrest lately. This will strike fear into hearts of privacy campaigners, as will the fact that commercial tech developed as part of this drive will no doubt find its way into the wrong hands. And according to a March 2020 article on The Verge called, quote, U.S. government officials using mobile ad location data to study coronavirus spread, the article says, quote, the U.S. government officials are using cell phone location data from the mobile ad industry not data from the carriers themselves, to track Americans' movements during the coronavirus outbreak. And that just floors me that it's not even actually coming 
from the mobile carriers. It's coming from ad industry that buys the the location data from the cell companies. The goal is to create a government portal with geolocation information from some 500 cities across the country to help ascertain how well people are complying with stay-at-home orders, according to the Wall Street Journal. One example of how the anonymized data was reportedly used, researchers discovered large numbers of people were gathering in a New York City park and local authorities were notified. I just realized that the OGs on the bingo. Yeah, that's on there. Yeah. <laughs> Me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, they noticed using the data that a lot of people were gathering in this park and authorities were notified to go break them up. And to me, that's really, that's scary. That's, that is scary. That is scary. You know, and also going with the location, you know, it, the, the fact that cameras are everywhere now. Oh, yeah. You know, like I think I said it on here before that there was a horrible case in Manitowoc where a father and his daughter were killed. And uh, I knew a lot of people that actually were friends with the daughter. But somebody down the street had a, a camera in front of their house. And that's how they caught the guy mm. was they had the image of him walking down the street. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it's not just the cell phone stuff. Think of how many cameras are everywhere. Like, yeah, almost... is the government accessing those ring doorbells? Oh, I'm sh- probably. Cameras? I'm, I'm f- for sure they are. Why not? They're sure all the online. NSA, I'm sure the NSA has access yeah. to that. So now you're giving them a free look into your private property as yeah. well. yeah. Like I said, this was this was one of these things that I never cared about. But researching this stuff, it's like holy cow. Well, on the one hand, I'm I'm sort of well, I'm a private person just in general. But it's not because I have anything to hide. I'm just a private person. So on the one hand, I'm like, well, I don't have anything to hide. But on the other hand, it's like, but that doesn't mean that people. It's okay for people to watch what I'm doing. Yeah, it's not either. okay for them to have. All of my cell phone, all of right. my email records Listening downloaded to us somewhere. Talk right now through yeah. our phones. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah. So between the cell phone stuff, cameras, I mean, our locations are almost always, always monitored. You know, another one is is court cases where uh, somebody died and their husband or wife said no, that they were home sleeping at the time. So then they got access to the person's Fitbit. And mm-hmm. saw that they had like 2,000 steps at the time that they were supposedly sleeping. Right. And they got busted because of that. So think of how little. If there's any GPS attached to that, they can yeah, even exactly. see where they went. Exactly. So think of how much we are, that we're, it's known during the day what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and we willingly give that up, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Well, and the idea, we've just become so dependent yeah. on our phones. Yes. The yep. idea of me traveling anywhere without a phone, like what if I break down? Yeah. How do I get exactly. help? Exactly, exactly. You know? So now both our communications and our locations are constantly under surveillance, but are our much-loved devices actually monitoring us 24-7? According to a really good June 4th, 2018 article on Vice.com called, quote, your phone is listening to you and it's not just paranoia. The article says, quote, a couple years ago, something strange happened. A friend and I were sitting in a bar, iPhones in pockets, discussing our recent trips to Japan and how we'd like to go back. The very next day, we both received pop-up ads on Facebook about cheap return flights to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. It seemed like just a spooky coincidence, but then everyone seems to have stories about their smartphones listening to them. So is is this just paranoia or are smartphones actually listening? So I've never experienced that where something I only spoke about showed up in an ad, but I've definitely Googled things. I know personally people that have had that happen. 
I've only Googled things and had them show up in like a Facebook yeah. ad or Instagram or whatever. Yeah. There, I've never YouTube, spoken something. There's clips though. on YouTube of somebody showing how this works mm. and they put their phone there and they're like... I've heard enough people like, say it you know, too. I, I, I think I want to get into camping and then all of a sudden the next day they come back and show that they have ads for tents Gander and stuff. Mountain is now yeah, sending exactly. them ads. Smartphones or devices like the Amazon Dot all use something called triggers. It could be... Oh, man, I didn't even think about this. I might be setting off people's stuff in their house if they listen to us. Oh, Sorry, guys. It could be <laughs> Hey Siri or Alexa or OK Google that triggers the device. I could just I could just imagine everybody's devices. got all stuff going out now. It could be those terms that triggered the device to start recording or searching for what you are saying. Mm. But the fact that these triggers activate it shows that the device always is listening. According to that Vice article, quote, in the absence of these triggers, any data you provide is only processed within your own phone or device. This might not seem like cause for alarm, but any third-party applications you have on your phone, like Facebook, for example, still have access to this non-triggered data. And whether or not they use this data is really up to them individually. From time to time, snippets of audio do go back to other apps like Facebook servers, but there's no official understanding what the triggers for that are, explains Dr. Peter Henway the senior security consultant for cybersecurity firm Asterix. Whether it's timing or location-based or usage of certain functions, these apps are certainly pulling those microphone permissions and using those periodically. All the internals of the application send this data in encrypted form, so it's very difficult to define the exact trigger. He goes on to explain that apps like Facebook or Instagram could have thousands of triggers. An ordinary conversation with a friend about needing a new pair of jeans could be enough to activate it. Although the keyword here is could, because although the technology is there, companies like Facebook vehemently deny listening to our conversations. Because, mm -hmm. of course, they're going to say that mm -hmm. they don't listen to our, it's you know, they want it's, you it's Facebook. I don't trust Facebook worth no, a damn. I right. don't. I just don't. It's just convenient to use, so that's why I stay there. That's where our strangers are. Yeah, I know. But I, I, I just do not trust them with anything. Mm -mm. I just don't. But the thing is that this does happen. The author of that article did an experiment where his phone sat on a table and he repeated several times throughout the day that he was thinking about going back to college or that he needed new work shirts. He said, quote, the changes came literally overnight. Suddenly I was being told mid-semester courses at various universities were on and how certain brands were offering cheap clothing. Jeez. A private conversation with a friend about how I'd run out of data led to an ad about a cheap 20 gigabyte data plan. And although they were all good deals, the whole thing is eye-opening and <laughs> utterly terrifying. And it is. It's, it's believed that when Facebook is picking up snippets of things that you are looking for, it doesn't directly sell your information. And this, this, make, this makes complete sense. I never really thought of this. It's believed that when Facebook is picking up snippets of things you are looking for, it doesn't directly sell your information to the advertisers. What is believed to be happening is that Facebook keeps your data to itself and it charges the advertisers a fee for Facebook to put their targeted ads on your wall. Mm. As the article states, quote, rather than saying, here's a list of people who followed your demographic, they'd say, why don't you give me some money and I'll make it so that your demographic or those who are interested in this product will see it. So if they let that information out into the wild, they'll lose the exclusive access to it. So they're going to try to keep it as secret as possible. So it's not exactly much more comforting to know that Facebook only has access to this data, but at least they aren't selling it directly to advertisers that we know of. So That we know of. So will deleting Facebook help? According to a 2019 article on Forbes called, quote, of course your phone is listening to you, the article says, quote, 
Perhaps you downloaded FaceApp in the heat of the old age challenge, then deleted the app out of concerns it would take your photos and other data. Once you've downloaded and authorized the app, however, its creators have access to whatever data they want. Deleting it afterward does very little to protect your privacy. Some companies even go out and purposely acquire defunct apps simply to access that user data. Steve Wozniak said about private data, quote, I'm worried about everything. I don't think we can stop it, though. His advice to anyone who cares about their privacy is to, quote, figure out a way to get the hell off Facebook. The problem is leaving any social platform doesn't erase the data off uh, that your network has shared. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's out there. That's already out there. And it opens a door for a lot of other sacrifices, too, which it does because it makes it harder to communicate with friends and family. Mm -hmm. There's little recourse considering that none of what is happening is illegal. The entire system of social media being supported by ads is flawed since it's all geared to benefit advertisers and not the users. And the results range from effective advertising boosting shareholder profits to swinging elections. Unless the laws or online advertising... Whoa. (laughs) 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 Oh. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, we just had a major... (laughs) Our thing we put in the window just completely collapsed on us. Oh, we need to put that back up because yeah. I, I cannot see. Yeah, I cannot see anything. I'm so happy we're getting out of here. <laughs> I'm glad you saw that out of the corner of your eye. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to leave that in the episode because that's kind of cool. Okay, now where was I? <laughs> and we're back. Uh, okay. Uh, ba ba ba. Yeah, the entire system of social media being supported by ads is flawed since it's all geared to benefit advertisers and not the users. Well, yeah. And the results range from effective advertising boosting shareholder profits to swinging elections. Unless the laws or online advertising ecosystems are changed, then these tactics will only become more refined. And the thing is, is that it is becoming more refined. According to that Forbes article, quote, Technology companies use algorithms to target ads more effectively, and the more data they have, the more precise these campaigns are. This makes these ads much more influential than ads are meant to be for a general public. Techno-sociologist Zainab Tafuki explains it this way, quote, Machine learning has enabled algorithms and artificial intelligence to learn, adjust, and improve advertising targeting to the point that no human would understand or know exactly how it is targeting its users. More disturbing than that is the possibility that, quote, a platform like that using artificial intelligence could decide to turn out voters for one side or another, and how would we even know about it? So that's creepy. That gets into the yeah. whole. That gets into the whole artificial intelligence thing, right? You know, and and these the more these artificial intelligence programs analyze our data, the more they know about us, right? You know, so that's creepy all on its own. It's 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 creepy because you think you're just doing some really simple yeah. innocent stuff online, and yeah. every single bit of it is being yeah. collected to benefit. Yeah, someone what else. scares me about that is is when he says. Uh, uh, when he says that using algorithms and artificial artificial intelligence to learn, adjust, and improve advertising targeting could get to the point that no human would understand exactly how it's targeting. That I mean, it's that's creepy. Yeah, that, that is creepy. AI is gonna yeah 
Yeah. Take over. The thing is, though, phones don't even really need to be constantly listening to you. According to a 2019 article on the BBC News called, quote, Why Phones That Secretly Listen to Us Are a Myth, the article says, quote, The results won't surprise those in the information security industry who've known for years that the truth is that tech giants already know so much about us that they don't actually need to listen to our conversations to serve us targeted advertisements. The reality is that advertisers have extremely sophisticated ways of profiling users. Losers. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that. (laughs) Location data, browsing history, and invisible tracking pixels, for example, all provide enough information to predict what you might be thinking about buying. They can also link you up to friends via social media information and guess that you might be interested in the same things that they are searching for. These techniques are constantly improving and evolving too. Uh, mobile advertising and security expert Soteris Dimitru from Imperial College London said, quote, The advertisements that you see are a result of huge amounts of data that the companies have about you. They share a vast amount of information. It's making noises, and I swear it's going to fall again. I, I, I got it covered if it does. Okay. okay. <laughs> Just ignore me because I'm constantly okay. going to be looking at it. Mobile advertising and security expert Soteris Dimitru from Imperial College of London said, quote, The advertisements that you see are a result of huge amounts of data that the companies have about you. They share a vast amount of information across advertising networks powered by machine learning algorithms and AI that are extremely powerful. Or as Dr. Dimitri says, quote, they now have the ability to effectively know what you could be interested in even before you do, which is creepy. Yeah. (laughs) That's just really scary. And I believe that's actually possible. Oh, I totally, I totally do. And again, that brings it back around to your phone tracking your locations. I've been reading, I think just a couple weeks ago, I read a conspiracy theory that some people think that stores like Walmart or Target purposely make it hard to get a phone signal inside their stores so that you connect to the store's Wi-Fi signal where you can be more easily tracked Mm. about where you are in the store. But they don't even need to do that because there's cameras everywhere in the store. Yeah, but if they want to use that to yes. change how they arrange yes. things in yeah, the store. Yeah, which I think they do. That I, mean, I could kind of see it, but it's also a big block of concrete, so your phone isn't going to work as good. Right. But a lot of people think that that's why you don't get a, that they want you to connect to their Wi-Fi so bad is so that they can track you. Never thought of that around the store. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's the same with Alexa or Google Home. There have been a lot of sketchy stuff going on, you know, with Alexa, where it's apparently sent recorded conversations from one family to another's family, Alexa, accidentally, or where it just starts randomly doing something out of the blue. Like our phones, Alexa is always listening for that trigger sound, but it's also known that the things that you say into it totally go straight to Amazon where it's listened to. According to a Washington Post article from 2019 called, quote, Alexa has been eavesdropping on you this whole time. The article says, quote, Alexa is always getting smarter, which is only possible by training her with voice recordings to better understand requests, provide more accurate responses, and personalize the customer experience. Beatrice Jaffrin, Jaffrin, director of Alexa Privacy, said in a statement, these recordings also help Alexa learn different accents and understand questions about recurring events such as the Olympics, she says. Noah Goodman, an associate professor of computer science and psychology at Stanford University, told me it's true that AI needs data to get smarter. He says, quote, technically, it is not unreasonable what they are saying. Today's natural language processing systems need to rerun their algorithms over old data to learn. Without the easy access to data, their progress might be slow unless the computer scientists make their systems more efficient. But then he takes his scientist's head off and says, quote, 
As a human, I agree with you. I don't have one of these things in my house, Goodman said. And the more things you attach to your Alexa, the more that Amazon knows about you. They know what times you shut off your lights at night. They know what times you open or close your refrigerator door. Ugh. It's actually scary. And I just want to say that my living room light is connected to my Alexa. Mm. When, I, when I go to bed, I'm like, Alexa, shut off the light. And she turns off the light. And this week, two times, the light came on by itself. <laughs> <laughs> the same time I was researching this, which kind of was like, is that your weird coincidence? Yes, yeah. Maybe your it place has is happened. <laughs> it has happened once in a while in the past, okay. but very, very twice rarely. Twice in one week, but twice this week. While I'm researching this exact thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm laying on the couch at like four in the afternoon, and all of a sudden the light pops on by itself. That's weird. So it's like, you know, are it they, does are make they you stop. It, and it does think. make you stop and think. But yeah, the fact that they know what time you go to bed, they know what time you open and close your refrigerator door. It, I never think about that stuff. And it's 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 scary. Well, even just the idea that it, if somebody working there who had access to this information yeah. wanted to go rob a bunch of people, oh, yeah. they wouldn't know exactly we'll to, we'll when they some were. some stuff like right here. Yeah. Uh, and it came out in the last year or two that it's not just AI that's listening to what you say to Alexa. Sometimes it's Amazon workers that are listening to it to help with the speech recognition. Mm-hmm. They don't know supposedly who you are or where you live, but it's still a little disconcerting. According to a 2019 article on AfterDawn.com, quote, not only are Alexa's commands recorded, but according to Bloomberg sources, they also hear noises that aren't meant for Alexa's electronic ears at all including things like people singing in the shower, couples having sex, or children crying out for help. Oh my God. Some employees have reported hearing what they suspected was part of a sexual assault, but when they reported it, they were told that Amazon's internal policies dictate that they cannot intervene. Good so at the Lord. end of the yeah, at the end of the day, of course these devices uh I read, I don't know if I have it in here, but I read they actually had counseling there for people that would hear a child being beaten. I mean, I could not. Hell no. I could not. I would. I, just, I don't care. I'd call nine one one. I don't even care. No. Fire me. So at the end of the day, of course, these devices are always listening. They only supposedly record after the target phrase is said, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. And everything you say to Alexa could very well get sent to get listened to by AI or Amazon workers. Amazon is in the business of selling you things, so of course it benefits them to know your routines and interests. For myself personally, I trust Amazon more than I trust Facebook. I really do. Well, probably, yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they're not geared just to sell stuff to you, but but yeah. uh, I have a cute side story for Google Mini. Um, So we have a Google Mini. It was given to me as a gift from a former, my former coach or boss. Normal people call them bosses. (laughs) (laughs) We call them coaches where I work. Um, and we, I mean, we use it when we're too lazy to actually Google something yeah. ourselves. We'll say, Hey Google. And then my phone's probably listening to me now. Yeah. <laughs> and you ask a question. She usually has an answer or whatever. You can tell her just, you know, meow like a cat that always freaks my dog out. I, I do that with my, uh, my Alexa has an app on it that plays cat sounds. And mm. sometimes I'll do that Narnia and her ears will perk up and she'll be like, huh? It's kind of funny to play with, but every once in a while I will hear it making this popping noise when I'm in a different room. 
and I'll come out and Lucy is sitting on the edge of the couch booping it with her nose because <laughs> every time she boops it, <laughs> it makes that noise and then she tilts her head and her ears flop and then she boops it again. It That's makes so that cute. Noise. And I'm like, what are you doing? That is so cute. Yeah. That is so but cute. now I want to rip it out of the wall and throw it away. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I wonder how often she does that when we're not home and then people are just listening to huh? my dog run around the house. But I've, I've heard, I know people that have personally said they woke up in the middle of the night and Alexa is talking, saying something like somebody had sent something That's to it. That's creepy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Maybe their house is haunted. I don't know. How much of this is paranormal? And yeah. Like <laughs> so is all this as scary and evil as it sounds in yes. the end that's all kind of up to you as far as the advertisement stuff goes uh, the vice article says quote it's just an extension from what advertising used to be on television says peter only instead of nielsen ratings and primetime audiences they're now tracking web browsing habits and interests it's not ideal but i don't think it poses an immediate threat to most people but as far as the overall surveillance stuff goes, according to a 2014 report in the Washington Post, relying on information furnished by Snowden, 90% of the people placed under surveillance in the U.S. are just ordinary citizens. Yeah. I don't know. I The whole, it's how scary it is to you, I think that's true. Like It, it is. Like, <sighs> again, I'm just private and yeah. I have nothing to hide, but it doesn't mean that I don't like the idea. It doesn't mean that I like the idea of people surveilling everything I say and yeah. do. I mean, they're going to be bored as hell because yeah, that's <laughs> it's what I... so boring. But So what could you do? Short answer, not much. But here are a few things. Number one, your shut phone. your phone off when you aren't using it or don't always bring it with you. This is a common sense one, but it also kind of defeats the purpose of having your phone with you. I'm sorry, you. but when you have aging parents, you yep. can't just shut no, your phone off. No, Especially when they live an hour and a half away. Number two, disable Hey Siri or OK Google as triggers for your phone. I don't have my phone set up that I could just say Hey Siri or whatever. It just, it I don't. It came that way, so I I'd shut have mine to figure off. out how I don't, to shut it off. It's in the settings. I okay. shut mine off right away. I don't like that. Yeah, I probably should get rid of that. But does it matter? Not really. I'm, I'm sure. not. I'm no. just asking, like, what time does Menards open? <laughs> like, uh, no, does it matter that you cares. shut it off? Probably not, because it's still probably listening. Probably. You know. Unless your phone is off, off, yep. I think anybody can listen. Number three, disable Facebook's microphone access on your phone. This will affect being able to voice chat over Messenger and stuff, but you can always turn it on and I've off never as used need that. be. Number four, use a search engine like DuckDuckGo that is more transparent about its privacy or use the Tor browser that is usually used to get on the dark web. But people even question whether these are more secure, but they are more privacy conscious than Google. Well, they like scram... I don't know how it works, but people can't trace you by your IP address no, when you're using no, the dark web. No, but there, there's still people getting busted on the dark web, so they're still tracking people. Is the you sun know? still in your eyes? Yeah, but that's okay. I don't think I can no, go any No, higher, I don't think so either. Unless I stand there and hold <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Number five, go through your phone's app settings and see the permissions they all have. If there's no reason for an app to need access to your location or microphone, shut that permission off. I do that right away. Hmm. Yeah, anytime I get a new app, I look at what permissions it uses. I mean, all this is probably meaningless because they're going to get whatever they want anyway. Right. But I always shut that stuff off. Number six, the Amazon Dot does have a clearly marked button on top of it to temporarily shut off the microphone. Does it work? Who knows? And finally, the last two options. Number seven, smash your phone, smash your Alexa, move to a cabin in the woods, eat squirrels and mushrooms, and drink pond water. And number eight, continue living as you are and accept that this is just the way of the world now. The cabin in the woods is really it does. appealing, <laughs> it actually. It does sound nice. So basically, it is what it is. There's nothing you can really do about it. 
you know. If it weren't for this podcast and the fact that I do have parents who are in there. You wouldn't even probably need your phone. No. No. I'd be perfectly happy without yep. internet, without television. Yep. Although there is a new Netflix series out that I was going <laughs> to mention after exactly. we're done talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to end this with a quote and there were so many good quotes that I, it was like actually hard. There was one, I don't remember even who said it, but I liked it. And the quote was basically that it said the NSA's biggest fear is that right now somewhere in the world, there's a conversation going on that they don't have access to. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. totally true. But I'm going to go with this one that I found really interesting. It's from a really, really fascinating and brilliant man named Marshall McLuhan. He's considered a philosopher and academic, and he's been called the father of communications and media studies and the prophet of the information age. He said, quote, It is just when people are all engaged in snooping on themselves and one another that they become anesthetized to the whole process. Tranquilizers and anesthetics private and corporate become the largest business in the world, just as the world is attempting to maximize every form of alert. Sound light shows as new cliche are in effect mergers, retrievers of the tribal condition. It is a state that has already overtaken private enterprise as individual businesses form into massive conglomerates. As information itself becomes the largest business in the world, databanks know more about individual people than the people do themselves. The more the databanks record about each one of us, the less we exist. And he said this in 1970, which just floors me mm-hmm. that he he died in 1980, and I wonder what he would make of this right. of what of what it's become. So yeah, there you go. What do you think? Well, it's definitely much more deep than I thought it was. It's, it's more widespread than I thought. It is way more widespread than I thought it was. Like I knew about the phone stuff. I knew that your phone was listening to you and sending you ads. I yeah. knew that unless your phone is shut off completely, that the microphone is still, people can tap in there and yeah. listen. But a lot of this was kind of news to me. I don't know. It's like on the one hand, I'm like, A, I can't do anything about it. B, I'm super boring and people can listen all they want. But see, it's the principle. It of is. It, the, it, that's exactly right what it privacy. is. It's that's the principle that we have a right to privacy yeah. and to protect your personal information. Yeah. I mean, even if I, even if I leave my phone at home, take my Fitbit off, go through a walk in the woods, there's still satellites that can see me. You right. know what I mean? There's it's probably like, surveillance cameras yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Where so it's just like there's there's literally nothing we can do about it, and. We willingly gave up a lot of that because of cell phones, and we willingly gave a lot of that up to the government in return for being protected from terrorist acts, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a sacrifice we're making. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. We're, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I didn't realize like the phone stuff, that all of our stuff is basically recorded and and stored. I mean, mm-hmm. that just floored me. Like the amount of that, that our text messages are saved and stored. Mm-hmm. You know, so this just 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 shocked me. This really did. You know, and like I said, I'm not a, a privacy guy. I don't care what people know about me. But the people that do really care, I see why they freak out about this. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's crazy. It's 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 seriously. This to me is one of the most frightening stories we had because I didn't know it was going to this extent. Right. So yeah. That's, I don't know. And like you said, it's such a slippery, like Edward Snowden, is he a hero? Is he a traitor? Right. You know, on one hand, we're protected from, um, God knows what could have happened if we didn't have this network of security, mm-hmm. you know, but, but still the fact that 
some guy in the NSA could think you're cute and go through all of your stuff right. is disturbing. You know, and so get to learn your routine. Yeah, and yeah. Like, that Alexa knows what time I go to bed at night. That yeah, there's a what graph. Time your doors are yeah, that there's a graph the somewhere. Day. Yeah, yeah. There's a graph somewhere of that stuff. Is just frightening. Did you hear in the news just in the last couple of days? Some governor. There was a plot to kidnap. Yeah, that was a, a Michigan governor, governor. But all the training happened here in Wisconsin. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. How was that foiled? Like, how did they? They said informants. Also, people, they weren't being surveilled. But I'm sure they were being surveilled. In some way. I'm 100% yeah. sure that, like, so much of this stuff where they bust people, it's like, how do they know? Right. You know, I think a lot of this is that they're being surveilled. And, I, they're and, reading and their emails they're and reading listening They're reading their emails, their reading their text messages, yeah. listening to their phone calls, and we just don't know that. I think they that's what's really hard about this is And we it's know. easy to say it's an informant, that we had an inside informant. Right. No, you're reading everybody's text right. messages. We we know that terrorist plots have been foiled. Yeah, yeah. And... So who's to say, <laughs> that, it, say, who's to say that if this wasn't done, a dirty bomb might have been dropped on New York... That right. wasn't because of this. So it's a very double-edged sword. It, it is. really is. Do you value your security or do you value your privacy? And in the end, I don't think I'm there willing, is any middle ground. No. I, in the end, I'm willing to give up privacy for that security, but but it's not... Tell me about it then. Make me aware yeah, of it. Yeah, but I... Th- don't hide know, it like, from us. With this AI stuff... I could see it so becoming creepy. something very dangerous. We were, I'm on a team at work where we're looking at AI yeah. for stuff. And <laughs> I'm the only person who at the end of the meeting was like, so is anybody freaked out about this? <laughs> <laughs> like the AI is learning. We were talking about how this AI would learn how to beat you at a game. Like maybe yeah. at the beginning yeah. it couldn't Yo, beat oh, yeah. you, but it yeah. would learn how yeah. to beat you. And I'm like, that's creepy. Yeah. There's like, I, it's I think this anticipating was in a, my thoughts. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's creepy. Like, yeah. doesn't this scare anyone? Yeah. And when you partner that with knowing our ads, our, what we do, what we look for, where we are at all times mm-hmm. during the day, yeah, that's just, that's a horror movie waiting to happen. Yeah. I do think also the possibility of being misidentified as a target yeah. is really scary too. Oh, yeah, it totally is. Like I said, this, this, episode, could flag this you. <laughs> episode could seriously flag us and they might be watching us for a while. Right. And we're completely, you know. If like, you like it, if harmless. you like us, join the strangers. Go right ahead, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you'll hear see a lot of pickle references, <laughs> yeah, and Bigfoot paraphernalia. Yeah, a bunch of military guys in an underground bunker shaking their heads, listening to our bad pickle jokes. Right, exactly. You know, but it's just this is this was like I said, I bit off more than I could chew with this one because I did not realize it was as well, and deep you may have. and as all encompassing <laughs> as it as it is. Right. I didn't either. You know, and was, I think part my, of me prefers not to think about it because yeah. I can't do anything about it. Were my lights going on twice this week? Like I as, do kind of want to unplug my Google Mini though. It's like, is it worth? Mine having is something because that's I love listening? mine. It's my timer. It's my, you know, I can say I can you have tell Alexa it. Alexa or Google Mini? Uh, Amazon. Oh, I don't want to keep saying it because it's probably <laughs> setting off people's house. But I have the Amazon <laughs> right, one. Sorry. But I will say, I have it hooked up that I will say the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schedule the podcast recording this this Saturday morning at seven o'clock. I'll put it in your calendar, and it'll put it in my Google cal- my Google calendar. So mm-hmm. Google has access to what time we do this. Amazon has access right. to what time we do this. It's just crazy. The um, the everything what, is so digital. Everything now. is so automated. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and with automation comes knowing what we're doing when we're doing it. So I haven't watched it yet. And this isn't the Netflix thing I was talking about just a second ago. Social but media. The Social Dilemma yeah. it's called. And yeah. I need to watch it. I've heard it's really good and that it has made tons of people get off of social media. Yeah. Social media is just a mess. We were talking about that on the drive here, how mm-hmm. messed up social media is, you know, so... On the surface, it seems so innocent, but and there's it's something not. really toxic about yes, it. Yes, there's something. It's very toxic. And, and like this article said, it, it, it is not for us. It is for advertisers, basically. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, its goal is to make money for advertisers. And if you're a business, I'm sure social media is amazing. We would not have the family in the community that we have no, exactly. without social exactly. media. So I can't say anything bad on that level. Like for the podcast on a personal level, I have no use for social media anymore yeah. though. Like I do none. because that's how I keep in touch with friends. The people I need to keep in touch with have my phone number or my email address. Yeah. So. so yeah, what do you guys think? Are you bothered by this? Are you not bothered by this? You got the tinfoil hat on yet? You got the tin- <laughs> I'm thinking about... I'm ready I'm, to put one on I was on just going to say, I'm thinking about making one when I get home. Stop at the store and get some foil. I don't know. Like I, this just floored me how, how bad it is. Or how good it is, depending how you look at it. Knowledge is power. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Let us We're know. We're probably just scratching the surface, too. Oh, I'm sure. Think of the, just all the I'm stuff sure. we don't know about. I'm sure. They get that quantum computer going and the AI going. It's going to take over the world. I mean, we have cars that drive themselves yeah. now, so. Which I personally will never go anywhere near one. <laughs> I'm either. sorry, but if you can't parallel park yourself, you yeah. shouldn't be driving. Yeah. Just saying. Just do what I do. Pull around the block. Find a spot. <laughs> I have not parallel parked since my driving lesson. Oh, Are you being serious Yes. Right now? I don't parallel park. <laughs> oh I will God. drive. I will walk a mile away if I don't have to parallel park. I hate parallel parking. Funny. Uh, so there you go. What do you guys think? Uh, strangers, listeners. NSA, what do you think about this episode? Let us <laughs> yeah. know. Let us know. If you liked it, turn my light on tonight at four o'clock again, like you have been doing. Let I us... actually titled this episode. I always save it to, and then I put it on Kurt's. You put Big Brother? Yeah. No, it says they are listening. Oh, and they <laughs> are. What I... they, they 100% are. Yeah. Hmm. Great. So what do you guys think? Let us know. So next uh, song, sure. I totally didn't even think of a song. I had one last weekend because I stumbled on a song and I was like, this is going to be my song selection. Do you want me to go first so you yes, can think about Yes, because I it? don't know. <laughs> um, so do, do you want the long backstory? Probably not. I've talked about Wolfpack on here before. They, they were yes, one of my, yeah. they're a funk group. Funk music seems to be my spirit animal right now. And this came up as a suggested video on YouTube. Again, they're they're listening and assessing my needs and giving me <laughs> songs I like. Yep. Um, so this, the name of this is something like, what if Creep were a funk song? <laughs> That's actually cool. So the like song that. is Creep by Radiohead. And I'm not a Radiohead person at all. I don't really get into the music, but I've always loved the song Creep. I think it's a great song. Creep is a good song, but that is like the only Radiohead song I like. Me too. Yeah. Same. So this and is they a, hate it. They hate that song. Really? If they don't do it in a concert, oh, no. that's funny. Well, then I'd be really disappointed. Yes, you would. I to see them. Anyway, so this group, I want to say it's more like a project. It's I don't know if they're a group or if this is like a just a project that they do, but they're called Scary Pockets. And they take songs that we all know from, from everything from the Beatles. There's an amazing Eleanor Rigby funk cover that is <laughs> just, it's amazing. So that's like an honorable mention. But like... Britney Spears, Madonna, um, Fleetwood Mac, they cover 
a ton of different artists and genres and turn them into funk songs. And this is a funk version of Creep, and it's amazing. So I'm, I'm going to post the, the video on the Facebook page. I'm, and... I'm actually really interested to watch that because that yeah. sounds really cool. It's so cool. I love it. So that's my song selection. Huh. I still don't know one. I'm looking. I thought you'd come up with like a Van Halen song in honor of Eddie passing. <sighs> I was really bummed about that because they're not. I'm never, not a Van Halen fan. They've never been like my favorite band. No, I don't I like Van Halen But I love songs by them. See, I, 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 I don't want to insult anybody, so I'm not going to say why I don't like Van Halen. But Eddie Van Halen, I come from a family of guitarists. Eddie Van Halen's a god. I will say that right now, or he was a god. I mean, he was insanely talented. Like, he was a guitar god. Yeah, he was. So uh, his, I, I heard that he couldn't, he had wasn't necessarily the nicest guy in, in real life, but oh. who is? He had such a sweet wife, though. Well, not anymore. Valerie Bertinelli, I love her. They divorced years ago. Yeah, I keep forgetting that they divorced. I'm going to pick a Van Halen song just because you said that. In uh, honor, I mean. And I, this, this was, this is one of their songs that they released but it was never really a big hit but it's just one of those songs that it starts the beginning starts and it's just one of those songs that just makes you feel good and the name of the song is feel so good Mm. and it's just that's one of those songs that as soon as i hear the beginning part is this sammy hagar yes it's sammy hagar i'm i'm not a big david Lee Roth. roth fan he's a little too Showy and flashy. Yes, for you. <laughs> I, I love, love, love Sammy Hagar era mm. Van Halen. I okay. just do. Uh, Dreams is so good. Uh, Why can't this be love? Is good. Like a lot of their stuff is good, but I'm gonna go with the song "Feel So Good" by Van Halen because that is one of my happy place songs. That as soon as it starts, I just get instantly a feeling of happiness hmm. because I just feel like it's like a sunny cool song so, i can't place it but i'm sure i'll recognize it not maybe you... not because it was not it's not one of their big hits it was released it didn't get as a lot a, of airplay it didn't get a lot of airplay but <clears throat> i just love the music i love the beat of the song okay. i love the guitar i love sammy hagar's vocals and i even love the silly little video so i'm gonna post that one it is feel so good by van halen and yeah that's it's, it's one of those ones his death is one of those things that i didn't think would hit me as hard as it did hmm. But it did. He's an icon for yeah. sure. So yeah, feel so good by Van Halen. Thank you for suggesting mm-hmm. something because I was stuck. I know a lot of people were kind of talking about it on the Facebook page. Yeah. So. so yeah. Pickle joke? Uh, are we forgetting anything else? I don't think so. Song choice. Look up our question. Oh, I forgot a question. I'll read a pickle joke. I'll play the, as soon as we get done recording, I'll play the song for you and you can let me know if you... I'll play mine on the, our drive back. Okay. Let's see. What do they call Martian gourmets? What? Purple pickle eaters. I think we already did that one. Did Jim read this one? I think Jim might have read that one. Where do little pickles come from? Where? Inside the jar. (sighs) They're just so dumb. It's just not good. (laughs) That was a bingo that I laugh anyway, no matter how dumb it is. (sighs) I'm not even reading that one. Okay, that's enough. We're going to run out of pickle jokes at some point. We'll have to come We're up with a We're running out theme. of questions, so we might have to oh, stop guys. with the questions for the news. Or people need to okay. step up and ask some questions. We're going to do two of them this episode. Okay. That might be why we're running out of them. <laughs> we usually do like two. Hi, Kurt and Krista. I love the show, and I'm wondering, if you could make a TV show with an unlimited budget, what would you make? Oh, a TV show with an unlimited budget. 
I don't know. Would you want to do like a paranormal show? I don't know. I don't know. I would <laughs> like. I've thought about this myself. Like, Maybe I would love to make show. like a TV show that is kind of like a ripoff of The Stand, where it's like the world-ending thing, mm. and there's some people left alive, mm. and they're fighting. Like, people are there's like a bad side and a good side, which basically is a ripoff of Stephen King's The Stand. Right. But I always thought that that has possibilities for being a show like lost where it's just a really good show that you get sucked into that you like i know that's kind of a cheesy answer but if i was like a screenwriter i would have loved to have done that hmm. i think i'd lean more towards doing some kind of investigation show yeah like bigfoot or like a bigfoot hunters be awesome, bigfoot hunter actually. kind of sh- like those shows that uh i can't think of the name of it but it's the one that the girl reporter or whatever would go and look for Bigfoot, look for Bermuda Triangle oh, and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Like I could see Mysteries you. Decoded. Yes, I could see you doing a Josh Gates mm-hmm. kind of show. That'd be fun. Yeah. Because I could travel and actually yeah. get to experience yeah. these things myself. And I could see you doing that. But it's weird that I lean I'm more. I'm also a behind the scenes person though. Yeah. So the idea of being on camera. Yeah. And that's why I think I lean more towards like a show like Lost or Fringe or a show like that that people get invested in. Like I love that idea of people tuning in every week to watch my show. Mm-hmm. On a side note, if I had an unlimited budget, I would just do this for a living. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be no TV involved. We'd just no, do this podcast. Exactly. So good question. That's an interesting yeah. question. Other question by Anonymous. Why do you think so many ghosts seem to be from ages past, like ghosts wearing Victorian clothes? Mm. And that's a really that good, a good question, question because you don't see a lot of ghosts wearing MC Hammer pants and dancing <laughs> around. It's always like old fashioned. Huh. That's a really good question. I come actually. back. I want to come back as a, as a parachute pants, yeah. MC Hammer dancing ghost, because that would be cool. Zubas? Yeah. Those called Zubas. It, but it's a really good question. Yeah. I don't know. I oh, think I want to, while I'm thinking about... about this, I want to give a shout out to Lauren and Brian's podcast, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Historic Ramblings, that I was on. And it, that episode is going to be released, I think, right around Halloween. It was me and Neil Story and John Cox, and it was a it was really fun. But but that came up in there, I think, like how why so many ghosts wear old fashioned clothing. I wonder if the media, at least, and like television shows, often focus on hauntings that happen at historical locations, yeah. and maybe that's yeah. why. But I mean, I watch enough like the Dead Files. I don't know why I like that show. I just there's certain ones that I just always watch. <laughs> yeah. And even then, though, it's it's often it's someone more recent. It's more of a current person who died maybe in the last few years. She's psychic. That's, you know, yep. if, she, if she is. <laughs> I always take everything with a grain of salt. But a lot of times it is people from like, you know, a century or two ago. Part of I me, don't know. Part of me leads me to think that that is proof that we are manifesting the ghosts with our, our psychic or unknown psychic abilities is that we we are so expecting to see old style clothing on ghosts that Mm -hmm. we create that like the Philip experiment. Yeah. They show us what we want to see too. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. Actually. I never thought of it. Why don't I see any ghosts in bad eighties clothes? Right. The stonewash jeans. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Good question. So very good question. And I don't know if we successfully answered either of these, but they were very good questions. (laughs) I'd be, I'd be curious to know what people's theories are about yeah, that. Yeah, why, why do you guys think that we 
that most ghosts seen are wearing old style clothing. Old timey clothes. Old timey clothes. <laughs> yeah, good questions. Huh. I really don't know. I don't know either. We're Sorry. stumped. Sorry, so you got us on that one. Hope you weren't hoping for an answer. And <laughs> <laughs> get one. It's a head scratcher. <laughs> Is there anything else? Are we forgetting something? I feel like we're totally forgetting something. Uh, thanks to Coleman again for lending those books. I've been paging through the missing 411. Yes, There's I have so two. many books in there about Bigfoot that I haven't even touched yet, yeah. but I, I will. I've been reading them. You'll, the first, you'll get them back eventually. <laughs> the first missing 411 book I've been going through. Yeah. That should be, I think, our last episode of the season will be a missing 411. Before like the Christmas. The break. The, the Christmas, the holiday break. Do you want to tell people how many episodes are left after this one? I think four. Okay. I think four. So our last recording will be sometime in or Like December, December 5th or something like yeah. that. But yeah, we're winding down this season. And then we usually come back in like February? No, late January. Late January. People start clamoring for us to yeah. come back around the middle of January. We'll need to target a date so yes, I can have the Yes, and then we'll be ready. in the new studio. Yeah. So that's going to be cool. Um, and I think that's it. So the deets. Yeah, the deets. You can email us at... Oh, I, <laughs> we, oh, I just... Snouted on Have there myself. been any emails people you wanted to mention from emails? I know we've yeah, gotten but, a lot of emails yeah, about I can't stories, think off suggestions. The top of my head. Okay, so, we'll have to remember to look at those. We gotta start writing those down. We'll get better next season, folks. Uh, <laughs> you keep saying that. A funny thing is our phone number for the strange sessions. Oh, do you use that for school now? I'm going to be using that for school, so I'm going to get. It's not to discourage anyone to no, use it, though. But I'll get like Mr. K. I don't know what my homework is, and then the next one will be like a UFO story. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So we haven't had a voicemail in a long time, no, though. So, so at least it'll be getting used. Yeah. <laughs> email is thestrangesessions at gmail dot com. We are on Twitter at strange session without the final s. Krista does a really good job on Instagram at the strange sessions. That's a bingo. Uh... Square. <laughs> Bingo Square. You can send us postcards and snail mail to the Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin 54221-0434. You can start sending us food items around Christmas. Yeah. Because then we'll start recording again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a message you'd like to leave for us, or if you're one of my students wanting to know what the book club book is, you can call us at 920-443-9602. And yeah. A brief note about the social media thing. I am still managing the strange sessions on Twitter. Uh, on, 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 Instagram on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just my personal account. And MySpace. Gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I am haunted. Oh wow, I forgot all about I am haunted. <laughs> right. Holy cow. That was like Facebook for paranormal people. Yeah. How funny is that? That's yeah. how I met one of our strangers, Troy. I've known Troy how- since I am haunted? Yes. We've kind of always stayed connected online somehow i remember rita the psychic yeah oh my god yeah yeah funny that said you and i work good together wow really yeah Yeah, well yeah she said that's why you and i are suited to work together is because we complement each other and i think she said stuff about being empaths so i still have that she rings a bell but i don't really remember a lot of that it was sent in an email. So NSA, oh. if you can if you can find that email, <laughs> dig that up for if us. you can dig that up for us, watch uh, me get home and it's sent to me. That oh, would that'd be really out. creepy. <laughs> so oh, funny. from Krista and I, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. From Krista and I. Soon to be known as the former old school media studio. Yes, Actually, weird. no, this will still be the old school media studio. Like if Jeff we're still and Joe be, yeah, We're still going to be in old school media yeah. productions. We still might come here on certain occasions and record. If we have guests. If we have guests. Like that, but... So they don't know where Krista lives. <laughs> and, depends uh, on who it is. Depends on who it is. Uh, 
but yeah so from the old school media studio for now until next time stay Stay strange. strange This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.